Hello, and my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Loathing, unadulterated loathing, for your face, your voice, your clothing, let's just say, I love it all. Alexander Hamilton, my name is Alexander Hamilton, and there's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait, just you everyone and welcome to the next best theater big time holiday special podcast uh, my name is daniel bayer and i am here with my lovely co-hosts co-podcasters everyone <laughs> everyone on the next best theater team is back yay we have cody derricks Hello. We have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everybody. We have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. And we have Casey Lee Clark. Hello. And we are so excited to all be back together after a couple of months where it was only not all of us. And we are doubly excited because in this holiday special podcast, we are talking about the best theater of the decade. <laughs> we were talking a lot about if we wanted to do a best of the year, best of the season, best of the decade, and finally decided that it, it, it would be a little difficult to do best of the year because the Broadway season is so strange in terms of how it runs. Um, so we'd be comparing two seasons at the same time. And decided that it would be fun to talk about all the great theater that we've seen this decade and what it's meant to us. Um, we decided to keep it as brief as possible because we don't want to be here for as long as the Oscars. We just want to be here for as long as the Tony Awards. Um, <laughs> you know, keep things tight, run things ship shape. Um, so we're just doing main categories, acting categories, and overall production categories. And we wanted to start with um, a category that does not, well, I guess it does have an official award, but it's not a theater award. It's a Grammy award for best original cast recording. Um, you can consider this our version of best original music and lyrics, or you can just take it as what it is the award for the recording itself. Um, who would like to start? I'm happy to go first. Okay, Nicole. On this one, not on all of them. No, no, no. We, we will we will switch it up, I promise. Okay. <laughs> um, just for everyone listening, we're we're again, we're gonna try to keep this short. So we everyone has listed their top three in each category. Um, we're going to try to keep most of our discussion just to around everyone's number one, though, uh, because there is a lot of theater and we have a lot of stuff to get through. So, Nicole, what are your top three original cast recordings of the decade? Yeah. So in this, I was trying not just to go with my top three shows um, <laughs> and I was trying to think of, you know, albums that I felt really captured a show well and also were something that was really good listening on its own. Um, you know, something that like you don't need to have seen the show to see that still gives you a good idea. 
And so my runners up were Hamilton, which I think functions really well on its own as an album, mm-hmm. and Daddy Long Legs, which I think is one of the cast albums that like best captures the essence of a show um, in just its recording. But my winner is actually a uh, very recent show, and it's Beetlejuice. Fun. Because it is one of the few things where I can think where they tweaked something for a cast album to make it specific to the cast album. There's that line. You know, early on where they they will change it uh, mm. in, I think it's, what is it in? Is it in the whole Being Dead thing? Yeah, it's in the, the opening number, yeah. Yeah, and they'll change it to every place that they do a performance, whether they're at the Winter Garden or they're, you know, at the Tonys or they're performing on Good Morning America or whatever. Mm. And, of course, they've changed it to suit the cast album. And there's another part where Alex Brightman in the middle of a dance break is like, whoa, a dance break on a cast album. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so for the fact that they really, like, embraced being a cast album, they're my winner. I think that's a very great choice. Cody, do you want to follow up with yours? I would love to, because actually I wanted to echo what Nicole said about choosing a best cast album isn't necessarily what had the best music or what show I liked best, period. It really is about what captures the spirit of a show best and also what makes a good listening experience as a whole. And for that reason, I have chosen for third place the original cast album of Once. Oh, my heart, yes. my whole heart. Exactly. Which I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it. I, I think the production is very good, but the cast album is just like mm-hmm. beyond. Yeah. Um, second place, I have Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, the original yes. Broadway cast yes. album, just because it features um, Dust and Ashes, which is like such an uh, amazing addition to the score. I have to choose it a little bit over the off Broadway. And then number one, I hate to be obvious, but it's Hamilton. I mean, it's by far the cast album of the decade. I don't think that's even questionable in terms of like uh, impact and I mean, just pure sales. But it really does its part to make what makes the show so special, which is kind of a capturing of a a recording style anyway. They use so many sound effects and vocal um, effects that sound like recording effects and so it works perfectly on the cast album and it gives a sense of the show as a whole and it doesn't detract from seeing the show which something like once i think you listen to the cast album and the show is maybe a little bit of a step down that's just my opinion whereas hamilton you see you hear the cast recording and then you see the show and it's like oh that's what this moment is that's what you do with this part that's what this Hmm. little sound effect is and it's just it's just perfect yeah and hamilton is one of those really interesting cases too where i feel like the cast album was most people's introduction to the show. So it it very much functions that like, oh, that's why they did that. Yeah, when you see it, that yeah. Nine sound months. Is. yeah. <laughs> when it's where it was all I listened to for like nine months. Oh yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate that choice. Uh Casey. Yeah, I mean I didn't I've thought of mine on more simple terms of just what are the three original cast albums in this decade that I listen to the most. Hmm. Um, that if I'm on like a theater playlist and one of them comes up, I go, I'm just going to listen to the whole album. Um, my number three is Waitress. Mm. I just love it so much. Uh, my number two is Fun Home, which I'll get into many more places. <laughs> and yeah, to reiterate what Cody said, number one is Hamilton. I think that, like he said, it's the cast album of the decade. And I think for me, like it's one that even over the years, I'm still not over. Like I keep waiting for me to be like done with it and then it'll come up and I'm just like, oh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> I always have a moment with it where I'm like, damn, this is still incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I re-listened nonstop the other night and I was like, 
And I was like on the verge of tears. I was like, oh, I love this still. Good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the love for this show. And like, yeah, and the cast album is great. Michael, are you going to keep up this little mini streak we got going here? Very close to it. And I'll explain here. My number three is Follies from the 2011 revival. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> which is the album that really got me into Follies. I really, I knew some of the songs on their own, but didn't really know the show as a piece until I listened to this back in high school. And hearing, of course, Bernadette Peters and Danny Burstein and Jen Maxwell and Elaine Page and uh, everybody, you know, all these wonderful, <laughs> yeah, M- Mary Beth Peel, Jane Hattyshell, all that phenomenal, phenomenal cast. So that's number three. Number two for me is actually Hamilton for all the reasons that we just stated. It's brilliant. Still listen to it all the time. It's the show on an album. And if you're not going to get to see the show, which many people still haven't, then so we love that. But my number one choice, I guess I'm going to be the only one of the group to pick this, is actually a fairly recent cast album. And that is the original cast recording for Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Because not only do you have these renditions of songs you know and love from the past 50 plus years done with, you know, cast in a language that most people don't know as well. You have these tremendous renditions, but you also have the bonus tracks. Mm. And and that for me, you have songs from the original production of Fiddler that were cut before opening on Broadway and they're sung by original cast members. So you have, we've never missed a Sabbath yet with some of the original cast members, like some of the original uh, daughters or subsequent Goldas or Yentas, so they're all coming together. You have Richard Kind singing What a Life. My personal favorite is Dear Sweet Sewing Machine, sung by mm. Austin Pendleton and Joanna Merlin, the original Seidel and Mottle. So it, that's really special to me. And at the very end, you have both the Jackie Hoffman's monologues as Yenta. So what's not to love about that? I, I totally agree. It's a very special cast recording and something that's very different. Um, so I guess that means just like mine are left and I, it, it pained me to try to do this because I, for reasons that are entirely my own, I, Hamilton is not in my top three. Um, my number three, I had to go with Natasha Pierre and the great comet of 1812, just because that show is so unbelievably special and the, just the score of it is so special in the orchestrations. And like, I know that um, for the uh, for the Balaga number where they give out the shakers in the audience, um, they actually had fans of the show come into the studio to do it to actually make the shaker noises during that number. And I think that's just such a special gift to give to fans of the show um, to be on the cast recording. Uh, my number two is Once, um, just yeah. because, like, everything Cody said, that show is, the music is so beautiful, and the cast recording really captures that intimacy um, that I so loved in the staging of that show. And my number one is the Follies revival um, that Michael just mentioned. And the reason for that is that they... Follies has had a very long and tumultuous history as regard its cast recordings. Um, the original, the original cast Broadway cast recording was notably 
uh, cut short. A hot mess. It, they cut so much from it, and like it's possible to listen to it and be like, what is even going on in this show? It's so difficult to parse what's happening and who's who and why on earth this show is so beloved. It also sounds terrible. Like The recording yeah. quality is awful in a way that I don't know why, because other cast albums of the time don't sound like it. Yeah, it's just really not good, and there have been Lots of cast recordings since, and each one has been something of an improvement on the latter. But this is the one where I feel like they just really went all out and got it right. They included um, dialogue from the show. It's not the whole show on an album, but they included important pieces of dialogue. And the entire cast was just so fantastic. And... I love that they really went into this going, we are going to make the definitive cast recording of Follies with one of the best casts that this show has ever had. And I can't think of a better, you know, souvenir from a show than, than that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So now on to the acting categories. Um, I'm going to try to like switch up as we go through what um, actor, actress play musical, because we believe all are equal here at next best theater. Um, This is not going in a hierarchy of any sort, Um, but (laughs) let's start with supporting actor, or since we're talking Tony's featured actor (laughs) in a play. Um. Cody, would you like to start? Yeah, why not? All right. So a little heads up. Uh, t- I, I did my best, um, and not everybody here did this. I, I felt like doing it because I, I don't know why. Um, but I uh, only nominated people and shows that I saw myself. So um, even if I loved a cast album or performance clips or a specific actor, I didn't include them. I just wanted to make this a very personal ballot. So if something is egregiously missing, I probably didn't see it. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. Reminder to everyone listening that, like, (laughs) you can't see everything. (laughs) No. Uh, Very much not. Especially when you live halfway across the country for half the decade. I did my best. Um, But it has been the first half of the decade in the Jersey, New York area. So I saw a lot of shows. So most of the shows are going to be from that period. But I do make occasional trips back. Anyway, here's the category. Here we go. Okay. Third place. John Benjamin Hickey in The Normal Heart, an amazing performance, deserve a Tony win. Second place, Nathan Lane in Angels in America, another amazing performance from a performer that, you know, is Broadway incarnate, but still finds new things to do with each character every time I see him perform. And first place is somebody who didn't even get a Tony nomination, but he really made this part his own. I have Lee Pace in Angels in America. Yes. The, yes. The yes. Character, <laughs> yeah. the character of Joe is like historically, and I don't think this is controversial, like the least favorite character in Angels in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tony Kushner even was like, I think he said something to the effect of that he doesn't get the happy ending because he's the only one in the show who doesn't live his full truth across the course of the show, yes. which is true of a lot of people who are hiding their sexuality in America. Mm-hmm. And I think he brought something to the part that made me not only interested every time he came on stage, but really invested and curious as to this character's motivations. He has a really 
I just use this word, but curious sense to him as an actor and a little bit of melancholy, mm-hmm. which kind of tinges everything the character does with this sense of remorse and like awareness. He's not surprised by any of the revelations that come through. He maybe even expected them. And I think it was a brilliant way to play the character. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I think he's great. And it, he was so great in that production. Um, let's move uh, Casey. Yeah, um, mine I'll keep brief mainly because uh, unlike Cody, I did not keep mine to things that I've <laughs> completely seen. It's all plays I've read and seen many, many clips of, so I at least kept it to things I was very, very familiar with. Just did not sometimes see in person because I theater's expensive. Anyway, mm. <laughs> um, my third is actually Lee Pace, but in The Normal Heart, um, there's a monologue that his character does near the end that uh, is one of my favorite monologues ever, even though it's so goddamn devastating um to christian borel and peter and the star catcher i don't know much to say except for my love for christian borel and i think that play is very sweet and whatnot and my one is actually nathan lane in angels in america just out of both uh that character and also taking an actor we know so well and kind of going against type and whatnot and also his tony speech is one of my favorites of recent years so yeah I'm going to follow Casey because um, we have the same top two. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, uh, My number three is actually uh, Brian Bedford in The Importance of Being Earnest uh, revival where he he played Lady Bracknell. And I know he was nominated for in the lead category at the Tonys, but that's because he was billed above the title. Um, It's a supporting role. So he gets in the supporting category. (laughs) Um, He was absolutely hysterical as lady bracknell one of the greatest roles in all drama and yeah love him uh number two is christian borley <laughs> peter and the star catcher and like the only thing that i can say that like if you've seen it you know the scene and i still laugh about that scene <laughs> on a at least on a weekly basis <laughs> and also that play is just a delight um, and my number one is Nathan Lane in Angels in America. And like Casey said, like Cody said, like he's just one of those actors that even though you know him so well, somehow brings something new every time he is performing in something. And he was so, so perfectly venal as Roy Cohn. And like, just, I, I was not expecting that from him and the, the insight that he was able to offer and that it to that character being very much not the typical type for that role, I think was something that is very, very special and um, something that he pulled off fantastically. Well, can I just continue the trend here then? Sure. My number three is Benjamin Walker and all my sons as Chris Keller. He was a huge standout of that show. And when you're working alongside Tracy Letson and Ed Benning to really make your mark like that is very impressive. So he's my number three. Number two is Reed Burney from The Humans. Mm-hmm. Won a Tony, de- deservedly so. Yeah. And of course, my number, number one choice is Nathan Lane as Roy Cohn in Angels in America. For all the reasons we just said, he gave an interview in the New York Times around the time that he was doing The Adams Family. And in this profile, they described him as one of the last great entertainers. And that, as nice as it was, sort of rubbed him the wrong way. And then from that point on, for the rest of the decade, really said he wanted to make interesting choices going forward. So he wanted to move away from the Max Bialyshocks and Nathan Detroits and try some of these different characters. And I think he accomplished that brilliantly here in Roy Cohn. And there's a reason we've all picked him so far. Not 
all of us, but you know, we've all had them on our list, at least in the top three, and that really is a lot. Nicole, are you going to continue the trend? I'm not. Oh, nothing against Susan Lane, but I've not seen the performance. Um, <laughs> like Cody, I tried to stick to things mainly that I'd seen, and for me, what that meant was that I'm very 2019 heavy on my ballot because it's the only year that I spent uh, anywhere near New York City. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I spent about eight months living in New York and seeing as much theater as possible. I obviously like had done some trips up to New York other than that, but uh, it's it's where a lot of what I've what I've seen comes from. And so I don't think it would shock anyone that uh, I have two men from the Ferryman on my best featured <laughs> actor ballot. Um, the first one, uh, who is in my third place, is Froffy. Um, I think that he's a really phenomenal actor and I've seen him in a lot of other stuff, but I thought that he did a lot with a very small part. Um, my number two is actually Brandon Uranowitz in Burn This. I thought that he was just incredible and to manage to steal scenes whenever your scene partners are, uh, you know, Adam Driver and Carrie <laughs> Russell is really impressive. Um, but he just, everything that he was doing was really great in that. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that I had some comedy on my back. <laughs> And that's definitely a comedic performance. Um, and then my top choice for a uh, featured actor is actually Tom Glenn Carney in The Ferryman, because again, it's not a huge role. It's very much the definition of a featured actor, but he really did a lot with it. And I think it's um, a really exciting role for someone that young. And uh, he's gone on to be in a lot of films already this year and really excited to see where his career goes. And it feels like a really nice um, role that that people I think will look back on um, and just made a, made a big impression. Yeah. Nice. And that that's all of us. We've all done that category now. Yep. Um, so le let's move on to the next one. Uh, let's do a uh, featured actress in a play. Uh, Casey, why don't you start us off? Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the Next Best Theater episode detailing the entire decade's worth of work on the stage. It is a mere two and a half hour podcast. In order to get the full podcast, you will have to head on over to Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get this and other exclusive podcast content from nextbestpicture.com. You have been listening to the Next Best Theater podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you in 2020 next time. <laughs>